Welcome back to Beyond the Talk, a podcast formed in conjunction with the independently organized event, TEDxUF, determined to dive deeper into the talks you know and love. My name's Zoe. And I'm Apeksha. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, we're very excited to have him here. Um, but you know, he's super low key. Um, you've probably never heard of him. He's not usually on the UF campus. So um, no, I'm just kidding. You found me. <laughs> No, I'm totally kidding. He is a man who needs no introduction. We have Mr. President Fox over here with us today. Thank you so much for being here. It's good to be here, Apeksha. Hi, Zoe. (laughs) So if you are entirely unaware, President Fox is the 12th and current president of the University of Florida um, and has very graciously agreed to be on Beyond the Talk with us today, which is wild and I can't wrap my mind around it. Um, So he's here today to help us bring to life our theme of TEDxUF this year, which is Legacy. Um, so just to start it off, um, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your general journey to becoming a U.S. president. So could you just give us a brief synopsis of how you found your path here? Well, you know, one of the favorite uh, topics for students is to hear me talk about the fact that I've never had a clear vision about what I should be doing. Relatable. And I've changed my mind many, many times. Uh, never thought that I wanted to be, much less would be, a university president. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my actual career has been primarily in universities and academia. Um, but even that took a while. I'd, I was going to be an engineer. I was I studied engineering as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, no, it's, I don't want to sit in a cubicle. And remember, this is a long time ago. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought engineering, actually, I think falsely, was not people-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, I'm going to then become a pastor of a church. So I went off, finished my engineering, but then went off to divinity school, spent three years training to become a pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. And I was weak in one area, and that was what I do now every day, and that's public speaking. I was oh, wow. really bad at public speaking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you would never want me to do a TEDx talk in <laughs> 1970, <laughs> 70, let's see, 70, 78 was mm-hmm. when I was in a seminary. Um, but while I was there, actually got, took a lot of classes on preaching and public speaking that have really helped me since. But what I decided at that point is I wanted to be with college students and work at a college. Um, I thought of myself as a college teacher. Mm-hmm. So I left the divinity school I was in, in in Chicago. I finished it, Master of Divinity. That sounds impressive. And, <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and then went uh, to Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, which is a big engineering uh, mm-hmm. college and did my graduate studies in engineering, and then kind of reluctantly became a, a university administrator by opportunity, by chance, by mm-hmm. arm twisting. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be a department chair, didn't want to be a dean, didn't want to be a provost, and, and seriously didn't want to be a university president, but just kind of by exploring those opportunities at times and thinking about it, ended up and enjoyed all of those jobs. They were mm-hmm. all great. Was there a moment in your life where you thought this is the this is the place for me and this is what I want to do? Um, just being at a university, generally, um, mm-hmm. it, no matter what the job, I, it's it's such a, a rich place to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we as I'm, I'm a faculty member, in addition to being a university administrator or university leader, and we faculty like to complain about our jobs, but <laughs> we, really, we've got the best job you can imagine because mm-hmm. we can. Uh, do work right, do research on whatever we want to do, teach courses that we, we create. We get to be with wonderful college students. It's just an amazing job. Wow. Uh, so just I've always known since I was in graduate school 
that being at a college in some role or a university, now a research university, was what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But the exact role, I wasn't sure, mm -hmm. yeah, wow. apart from just being there. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're president because you're doing an amazing job. <laughs> oh, Look at him go. <laughs> Look at him go. Um, but actually to go off of that, I know that we all know that you're president, but I don't think we all know exactly what your role entails. So um, what exactly do you do in your job and what are the, I guess, what does your team as a whole do? Yeah, I, I think of my own job as having uh, two, two components um, and I spend about half my time on each of those. And, and certainly, like all of us, we do a lot more, but, but really it's two things. One is communicating on behalf of the university, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that's giving a formal talk. Sometimes it is an event. So today we had a, a groundbreaking for a new baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and then uh, over the weekend I need to work on my next alligator column that's one way that I, I communicate but sometimes it's just listening mm -hmm. uh, to, to people that want to share something with me um, so about half the time is communicating which is kind of ironic since in divinity school that was what I was the weakest at but that's what I do now and then the second part is to work to bring resources to the university yesterday I was in Washington DC uh, talking to some of our elected officials we we depend a lot on federal funding um, grants for Pell grants for students that have financial aid, um, research dollars uh, for uh, the faculty, and um, uh, and so in Tallahassee and Washington D.C. and then donors. We I spend a lot of time talking to potential donors. So about half the time working to bring resources and half, mm -hmm. half the time communicating. All right. So kind of going off of that, the resources talk. So for. Years previous, UF presidents have had the end goal as making UF one of the top 10 public institutions. Um, and you have, you know, the title of making UF uh, achieve those ranks. Um, so what did you do differently to propel UF into those ranks? Now, obviously, you built upon the work of previous UF presidents. But what made your role unique in getting us to that spot? So it, it was in 1948, if you can imagine, that the president, brand new president at the time, he was really young. His name was J. Hillis Miller, and he gave uh, an address at his inauguration where he was uh, announced as president. Mm -hmm. And he said he was the first person we know about that said the University of Florida should be one of the nation's top 10 to 12. He described it as 10 to 12. <laughs> Give us some wiggle room. <laughs> somehow, somehow, and then he tied it somehow to the state of Florida, which he said was top 10 to 12, probably, <laughs> probably in population. Uh, and uh, now the state's in the top three in, in population. Yeah. But as, as you said, Zoe, it's, it, we've really just built upon all the progress of people that have come before us. That's, mm -hmm. that's the fundamental thing. Mm -hmm. And there have been concrete steps. It was when, for example... Uh, president Marshall Kreiser was president that we the university was elected into this prestigious organization called the AAU it's the top 60 research universities mm -hmm. that was in the 1980s that's a huge step we're the only such university in the actually the state, whole state of Florida public or private wow and um, and each president has and it's not so much the president it's really been the faculty while mm -hmm. the president has been there uh, just have made uh, measurable, actually measurable progress. Um, it was particularly about four years ago that our board of trustees said, you know, all the wonderful things that you're doing are, are great, uh, increasing the research, uh, uh, enhancing the uh, graduate, uh, the percentage of our students that graduate in four years, mm -hmm. um, the uh, qualifications of the entering class, the number of applicants. 
But they said, we want you to look specifically at the U.S. News and World Report um, and just tell us how you can uh, make progress on the metrics they measure. Mm-hmm. So the deans of the colleges, the chief academic officer, the provost, department chairs did that. And we have been just really focused on that. Mm-hmm. So one an example of that is uh, a measure of the student-to-faculty ratio. How many students do you have per faculty? Mm-hmm. And it turns out amongst the those AAU universities I mentioned, the 60 of them, mm-hmm. we were at uh, five years ago, we were at the very bottom. So either we had too many students or too yeah. few faculty, mm-hmm. and we decided to address that. So we wanted to, we didn't want to reduce the number of students. <laughs> so we uh, we wanted to keep you all here. So we, I would hope we, so. Yes, yes. So we we committed to growing the faculty, and you may mm-hmm. have heard us talk about adding faculty. And we're now up in the upper half of that uh, student to faculty ratio already. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's just a set of measurable inputs and outputs outcomes. Mm-hmm. that we have been tracking and have, have worked hard to address them. There, there are about 50 different rankings of universities, if you can mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. But the good news is in almost all of them, we're in the top 10 and, uh, and on our way, as we say, to top five. Look at us go. That's yes. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to bring up because you said that we have certain, I mean, like with U.S. News, they have certain ways of figuring out what is top 10. But I also know that UF as a whole is unique in its characteristics of who we are, one of which, like you brought up, was that we are a large university. We have about 16 colleges as a mm-hmm. whole. Uh, not to mention we're one of uh, the cheapest colleges. We, we have one of the lowest tuition rates. So um, going off of that, are there any unique qualities that you think make UF top 10 and eventually top five that makes us better, or not better, but... Um, Way better than everyone else. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. So there are certainly, and you've, you've, you've actually mentioned several distinctive characteristics of our university. Mm-hmm. The, and probably the number one is, is what you mentioned, and that's how comprehensive we are. And by that, I don't, I don't mean size. I just mean how broad we are. Um, I love the fact that this is a college that has uh, a school of theater and dance and yeah. a school of music, and then it also has... A, a, a college of, of medicine and all on this campus all in the word you know we don't have you know fine arts at in one city mm-hmm. and medicine or engineering in some other city we're all together in 2,000 acres and also we have hospitals or people for animals <laughs> you <can look> to, <laughs> uh, you know we're, we're sitting in the college of journalism kinds of incredible resources yeah. and there are only three universities in the entire country that are similar in how comprehensive they are. Um, you know, most of them would say, well, we don't have veterinary medicine or, or we don't have something else. And we mm-hmm. have all of that. And I love that. The, you know, those that are more fac- focused, for example, we were tied in our ranking with Georgia Tech. And I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer by background and they're a great engineering school, but they don't have those things that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it just adds a certain diversity to who we are, um, a richness, uh, I talk about it as being this real rich tapestry of um, makes us up. And for mm-hmm. people like myself that don't really know what they want to do uh, at some point in the future, <laughs> that, that was my my path uh, to here is uh, it just gives you these opportunities. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I think being a student here on campus, I've noticed how accessible it is to um, to discover what you like and what you don't. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I know several of my friends who have gone through 
multiple majors and figured out what they want to do. And the ability to do that is because UF gives them the opportunity. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, your own areas of study, right? You're, mm-hmm. Aren't you both pursuing master's degrees? Uh, I, Indeed. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes. International studies and health, is that right? I'm public and, health, yes. International yeah. business, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That just gives you a great example. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. true. So I did want to ask a question about diversity in a little bit of a different context. So top 10 is fantastic, and we should always be striving to move upwards, um, but there are still criticisms that come with that. Um, one of the most notable that I think students widely know about is in a study released in this past year by the University of Southern California Race and Equity Center, UF received an F ranking for race represent- racial representation. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask how are you and the you know the university faculty as a whole uh, working to up this ranking and truly diversify campus the way that we want to see it diversified? Yeah, we uh, first off, this is a campus that I'm grateful just celebrates the diversity it has. Mm-hmm. And we have all kinds of diversity. There are certain areas in which we need to grow that and uh, uh, enhance it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, just the number and the percentage um, of African-American males. That mm-hmm. is an area that is, if you look at the population of the state or even the population of the country, we're well, way underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And we want to, to grow that. We have some challenges. We're one of the states, for example, that doesn't allow us to include race, ethnicity, and and when we're making admissions decisions. And to me, it's actually important to be able to consider things like that Mm -hmm. because we're creating a community here. And we want, uh, obviously, students are going to excel in all their academics, but we also want people that will add to the community. Mm -hmm. So, and I feel the same about other things, even geographic diversity, we want that if, if, uh, I, I, I tell people, you know, if, if Princeton, for example, only admitted students from New Jersey, it probably wouldn't be as thought of as well. Um, and so we want geographic diversity. But certainly in areas of specific ethnicities, we're below where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on that. We've got a long ways to go. Um, it's important, I think, for me, I've done two things. One is to talk a lot about it. But secondly, we just hired a chief diversity officer. And this is not a person that we've told, okay, now you go out and make us more diverse. He really holds us all accountable, Mm -hmm. me accountable, and he brings best practices. And I think even more importantly, he helps us understand how we can celebrate, uh, understand, and benefit from this breadth of of people that we have here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have some disagreements with the study that you quoted. but if you just look at the statistics, which we've always had, um, what that report did was just give grades. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, they gave some of the University of California s- schools a grade of B and gave us an F when we actually had, we were we had twice as many, twice the high percentage in, in some of the categories than the other schools, mm-hmm. but they were comparing the state of po- California population to Florida population. Um, our, real, our real goal is to represent the entire nation, not, mm-hmm. just, not just the state of Florida. But regardless, we have work to do. And, yeah. I also wanted to bring up, uh, along with diversity, I know that um, international uh, education is also something that you've brought up, even in your yes. columns, about how important it is. Yeah. So um, I know that you brought up in your article that we're about at 2% of international students, and we're trying to get to that 8% that most uh, public uni- mm-hmm. or top 10 public universities are at. Um, so how do you expect us to get there? Yeah, but I actually have two concerns about the the future trends that I see that I think are important for our nation. Um, and they are 
all around how we as a nation engage inter internationally. Um, uh, you know, certainly I'm a patriot of our nation as much as anyone, but I believe that if we're going to protect our national security, then we as a nation, and particularly the universities, need to understand and be engaged in some way with, I would say, all countries, no matter what country it is. Mm -hmm. And we need to have our students going to study, as long as they're safe, in all those different countries and learning about them and having people from there come here and mm -hmm. learn. And I think that's the best way we can influence the future of, of other societies in a positive way is through through education mm -hmm. and, and learning from each other. And, and that is the way we'll protect you know, global peace, I think. Mm -hmm. So the, the, uh, any attempt to, to sort of change that, I think, really threatens our national security. On the other hand, there are other countries that kind of want to exploit that. They, mm -hmm. they want through cybersecurity and other ways. And so I actually spoke to our faculty senate on Thursday of last week and just urged our faculty to follow all of the federal policies carefully as possible they can, disclose all their engagement internationally. And it is through that that I think we can protect our freedom to engage. Um, it's, it's complicated. It really mm -hmm. is. I was in Washington, D.C. yesterday, and there's a lot of concern about uh, faculty being uh, involved with other countries. And uh, it's, it's just important that we walk this line between protecting national security, but yet being so welcoming, all people from around the world. Uh, that's what our nation's built on. Yes. And that's what we as a university should be so proud of. Absolutely. I did want to bring up financial aid because I know that's something that uh, you've written in your articles. Yes. And you've also um, talked a lot about and it's something that we want to hope to bring to campus. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you hope to expand financial aid and help students get here to campus? Mm -hmm. Yes. First off, just to state, you know, going to a university or college, it takes a lot of resources. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, the, the primary cost is not tuition. The primary cost is housing and dining and all the things associated with living, the, your transportation to get here, your clothes, the books, um, just all of those things. Mm. Uh, that costs a lot more than tuition. And our students could be working somewhere else. They could have jobs, so there's a lost income mm -hmm. that, that you have. So just to acknowledge, it's expensive to go to college. Uh, indeed, we have the lowest tuition of any of our peers, you know, I mentioned these 60 uh, research universities, we're one of the 60 um, that we compete with nationwide, um, and we're the lowest in tuition. But still, it's expensive to go here because of all the other costs, um, and tuition too, you know, mm -hmm. $6,400. So you have to have financial aid, I believe, for, for families and students with financial need. In the state of Florida, has a wonderful program called Bright Futures uh, that many of our undergrads participate in. Um, and uh, the, the state invests a lot of money. They've actually expanded it in the past couple of years. Students can use it in the summer. They've added more resources, which is wonderful. I think what I talk about when I talk to our elected officials is that I would, if I could change it, <laughs> if I was in, in power in Tallahassee, I would do one simple thing, and that is I would make the amount of funding anyone gets be aware of the need of that individual. So some people would get more, some would get less. Mm -hmm. And that would go a long ways, I believe, um, to, to helping those uh, that have a need to make this place and all, all colleges and universities in the state accessible. Mm -hmm. Now we also have a growing out-of-state student population and then there are many just sort of in the middle income class that have financial need. 
And we just have to grow our, what we call our endowment for need-based financial aid. And so we have a goal of $100 million that we're working to raise. Mm-hmm. That'll be just for student financial aid. And that, that's important uh, mm-hmm. for, for everyone. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. I know um, you said that there's been an increase of about $10 million this year. How do you expect to get there, and what are the steps that uh, UF is taking to get to the $100 million? Yeah. It, it, I'll say, again, that the state has actually increased not just Bright Futures, but actually some need-based aid in the last two years, which has just been phenomenal. So I'm, I'm, that's important and grateful. Uh, we have just incredibly generous donors that are – now reinvesting uh, uh, their wealth back in the university, back in the students. Um, and we're absolutely going to reach this goal of $100 million, mm-hmm. um, and we'll, we'll do more than that. Um, and some of it will be focused on the most neediest of students. Others will be the financial aid will be uh, broader, um, and we have specific programs, and some of the colleges have programs. And then I would also say we, we're working to do the same at graduate levels, your master's students, master's and doctoral students mm-hmm. as well. Um, the College of Law has a big program in financial aid. So it, it's a huge initiative across the institution. I think it'll always be. Um, fundraising is mainly for students uh, to help the faculty in, in what they do, and then to some degree, uh, new infrastructure, equipment, and buildings. Um, so I did want to touch a little bit on how accessible and visible you are on campus. I think that you know, makes you stand out amongst other university presidents. Um, even doing things like being here for a student podcast today, yes. I'd say you're pretty accessible. Yes. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of these different measures that you use. So you have an open door policy for your office, so long as students email beforehand. Um, <laughs> and you write a monthly column for the alligator. Um, so could you talk a little bit about why you think maintaining this high degree of visibility and accessibility is important for students on campus. Yep, and, and I just have to say at the beginning, in case there are other university presidents listening, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a model for anybody. <laughs> I'm not saying there's the right way and the wrong way. It's just it, this is what's comfortable for me in my own skin. Um, again, as, as we talked about, this is this is a really big campus. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, uh, 54,000 students or so, and we have uh, 30,000 employees, if you can imagine that. Um, and we've talked about the diversity of the place. And I think one of the roles the president plays at, at any university is is you, even if you don't want to be, in some sense, you're an example for others. You can be a model, not in everything, mm-hmm. but you, you uh, people pay attention to, to what you do. And I, I felt that uh, my wife and I, Linda, before we came here, that we would just you know, embrace the university, its traditions, mm-hmm. the gators, and, and all of that. Uh, and secondly, just have fun doing it. Um, and and thirdly, to work to make the place a that has an atmosphere of people caring about each other, of actually, you know, loving each other. Not that we agree with each other all the time, and mm-hmm. not that people don't protest what I do or things like <laughs> that, but... But being a place that we actually care about each other, mm-hmm. and that's not easy when you when we're an incredibly academically competitive place. The studies are really hard, mm-hmm. but in the midst of that, we want to convey uh, an atmosphere of support for each other, and and the president has a role in that. Um, and I think if the faculty see me doing making fun of myself or doing silly things or or talking about serious things and maybe a column that they have some freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I try to do that. You know, I'll talk about 
serious things, could be religion, could be other things, uh, but then in the mix of it, just try to have fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that you do those columns. I think it's a really good way to engage with the president, even if we don't see you face to face. We get a little bit of your personality every day. So it's really yes. nice to see that. And also, I really like that you brought up um, your philosophy of li- listening and learning mm. and the idea that love is what will kind of bring us together. And what makes your presidency such a great one is that that's of core value of what you bring to the table. So uh, that being said, I want to bring up the listening and learning. Um, why do you think that's such an important aspect of who you are as a person and what it brings to UF? Yeah, it's it's you know it's really easy for us, particularly as as we you know become more educated, get more degrees, to to no longer be so open to to thinking of uh, alternative ways of of approaching the world. And, and this is obvious, but we boy we certainly see it now in in Washington D.C. and in, in politics where mm-hmm. uh, you used to be able to have differing perspectives and yet be able to converse and and to somehow help each of you meet your goals and, and your objectives. And somehow we have to get back to that um, in some sense. I, I don't think we'll ever get back to the old way of doing things, but there has to be a new way. Um, and not just within our country or campus, but worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, it, uh, in my own small way, I, I want to try to have that be an example. Um, you know, we spoke early about the fact that I, I went to divinity school, and so I'm I'm pretty open about my personal faith. But I also engage. I try to engage very uh, extensively in a very respectful way with people of other faith. Um, you know, we have an incredibly rich, diverse Islam on campus organization. We have the largest Jewish student body in the nation, um, and then we have large percentage of our students and our faculty that have no faith and I try to respect all of those and ask each of those to sort of celebrate that and and to be free to talk about it and learn from each other um, and uh, so that and I've had great conversations with with faculty sometimes that are a little bit concerned that a president would use the word prayer for example <laughs> okay <laughs> and I assured them I'm not trying to convert anybody to anything but it's just who I am and uh, and and they've you know shared their viewpoint on on uh, these kinds of things, and I've learned a lot from them. And, mm-hmm. and those things are they're not simple or easy, but I've learned a lot from them and and learned to enjoy them. You also mentioned that a big part of what you do is try to show people to have fun in what yes. they're doing. Yes. Um, so you have a whole web page. I'm pre- it's called Purposeful Fun. <laughs> um, is there any yeah. kind of activity that you've engaged in on campus that has really stood out to you? Anything that you've really really enjoyed doing? Uh, one of the first things we did was to, uh, and this I'll, I'll take credit. It was my idea. It turns out the uh, university didn't have a tradition really of celebrating April 1st, April Fool's. Mm. And yes. uh, so we've tried to have an April Fool's every every <laughs> uh, year. Um, and uh, in fact, this week we've had a couple of meetings. Uh, it gets harder every year to come up with a good April Fool's. <laughs> Yeah, you have to one-up yourself, <laughs> yeah, right? You do, you do. And it's tricky because you don't want to, like, just lie to people. You, you also don't want to make it so silly they understand it. So mm-hmm. so last year, you know, we had, like, an April Fool's on an April Fool's. We announced, you know, we're going to waive parking tickets, and everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, you can't fool us. You know, that's a stupid April Fool's. And then we announced on Monday, yeah, it's true. Okay. Yeah, that one got me. <laughs> that one was incredible. I, I paid off all my tickets the Friday before it was oh, announced I'm sorry. that I'm it was sorry. true. <laughs> so close. 
No, but I love that, that you yeah. like engage with us in that yes. way. It's fun. Like mm-hmm. you, even yeah. these pranks are interesting. Yes. <laughs> but are you planning already like what you want to do? Are oh, there any yeah. hints that you can give us? <laughs> Ideally, we would by now have it all planned January because it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. D- don't tell the faculty we spend so much time on this, but <laughs> we, we work hard at this. Um, no, I can't reveal it, but but we have an idea. We're pursuing it. It may not work out. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> when did you uh, know that using social media was going to be a really important part of solidifying your presence within the student body? I, I was a real skeptic of social media when, mm-hmm. I, when I arrived in January 2015 mm-hmm. and um, just didn't quite understand how it could be helpful. You know, why would somebody, you know, post what they had for breakfast or lunch or dinner or you know, whatever? <laughs> I just said that's not that's not presidential. That doesn't connect with anybody. Um, but I, I did have a set of uh, sort of goals of what we wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. and again, and being accessible and, and connecting. And those that were uh, engaged with social media just showed me examples of, of kinds of things you could do. And, and you could do things, indeed, that are fun. You could do things that are meaningful. Um, and so we sort of developed a strategy that mm-hmm. uh, the idea being that indeed I would engage in ways that some that I thought were funny maybe uh, and fun so that when I had something a little more serious, people would sort of already have a relationship and they would uh, know to that maybe listen to that as well as to the to the more silly things. Mm-hmm. And so I've sort of engaged um, step by step in the social media world as a starting as a skeptic Mm -hmm. but realizing that i could use it uh, to some degree so Mm -hmm. my and i haven't yet moved as fast as our student body i'm still on twitter (laughs) so and although we we do some things on instagram and things like that working your way up (laughs) we love twitter um but i do want to bring up the whole concept of social media because I know that memes are a really big part of who we are as a generation. Mm, yes. um, so I did want to bring up if you knew about swampy memes. I, you know, people mention it and they sometimes share it with me. I don't have the courage to go look. Okay. Really? Okay. Wait, are you not on the page? I have not looked at it yet. But people have sent me. And almost all of it I thought was hilarious. Almost all of it. We actually had the original admin, the creator of the page, as a guest here. So oh, really? Yeah. I'm sure oh she'll be goodness. thrilled to know that you've taken oh. it. Yeah. It, and it was really interesting, too, because yes. the whole concept of memes is so fascinating. It's like it a is. part of who we are. And we it almost is. like it's a way of expression in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's so it, it's so cool that you have almost become like a part of our of our culture because you're part of the memes. So I'm that glad. That's fascinating. Yeah. No, it's great. So I'm glad that you you've dabbled. I know about it. You I dabbled. know about it. You should, you should make one. I'm sure it would be such an interesting way to like be a part of the yes. culture, right? I, uh, one year, a couple years ago, gave a commencement address uh, about emojis. Uh, I, I won't give you the whole address. But, um, and, uh, boy, I should give a commencement address about memes. Do it. Okay. You okay, I'm graduating 2020. Okay. I'm graduating this spring, so okay. we can get that. Okay. So we can write it in real quick. No, I I really do think it's like a good way of like re- representing us, and it's a good way for us to connect yeah. with you. I, I think the main point being 
our campus is so aware of our president and it's almost like we, like you said we have a relationship with you already um and it's cool because i talk to other people from colleges and they don't know their president the way we know our president mm-hmm. um and i think that's important because it brings a sense of almost togetherness already because we know that you know even the person that's representing us is someone that we really care about. Mm. Um, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that you bring that to the table. Mm. Thank mm. you. Thank you. It it also, I think, uh, allows students that are having some challenges to reach out. And I get those kinds of emails or calls. And often I can't help them directly, but almost every week. And I'll, I'll get somebody to, to reach out to them and help them. Mm-hmm. And parents, too. It's amazing how much parents are watching what we do here. Oh, it's, yes. It's, it's, oh, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> My mom is anxiously anticipating this episode coming out. She's waiting. She is for waiting. The, she's refreshing the button every absolutely. five minutes. <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> so I did want to tie in TEDxUF, as that is what we're here absolutely. for. Um, so I think first and foremost, have you seen any TEDxUF talks? And if so, do you have a favorite? I I have not watched the TEDxUF ones, mm. so that's a confession. I just have to be <laughs> honest right there. But I'm, I'm really grateful that, that you all have that, and it's a part of our campus. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's run by the students, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. run yeah. by students. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. It is, um, you know, I've I watched TED Talks, uh, not a lot, but, but fairly frequently, learn mm-hmm. a lot from them. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible skill to be able to give one. I know. And, uh, yeah. My goal someday is to do it. Um, yes. I don't have time right now, but someday I want to do it. Because you have wow. to be masterful. Yes. And I think I know some of the, the attributes of a great TEDx talk. I try to embed them in what I do, you know, being concise and, and, and getting people's attention in ways that you can communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've worked hard at learning those kinds of skills. So I think I could give one, but uh, I didn't think of a great topic. And uh, so maybe when I retire, I will do it. But I'm, I'm such a fan of, of the fact that it's here and, and that it's a part of it. Have either of you given one? Oh, I wish. Oh, no. <laughs> Mine would go poorly. I, <laughs> I, I, think I know all it. of it would just be jokes and there would be no actual direction. Yeah, but not, not good and jokes. I, I think they would kick me off the stage yeah. halfway through. So I think I'd it's for the I'd get to the 10-minute mark and they'd tell me to get off. <laughs> well, exactly. Podcasts are a huge skill. That's incredible. I would hope that's what so. I keep telling myself. That's, that's what I try to tell interviewers is it's a skill, I promise. So I'm glad that you think so. Um, but I did want to bring up also just the idea of um, UF's mission statement and how it relates back to TEDx. Um, how do you think, how, or at least in what way do you think it's important to have things like TEDx talks on campus? And how do you think it um, almost envisions exactly what we are as a campus? Mm. You know, the um, it, there was actually a TED talk that I heard a number of years ago um, about leadership um, and sort of a new way of thinking about great leaders. And, it, and it, it really touched me because it tied back to why I was not as good in my uh, classes in seminary mm-hmm. um, in giving sermons. Um, and the, the, the person that gave this, uh, his last name was Senek, and it was S-I-N-E-K. And it was about telling people why you're doing something, not just how or what you do. Mm-hmm. And it was about reaching people's hearts. And, and when I think about our university, for example, it's about, you know, why does the university exist? We, we, we talked about metrics and mm-hmm. you know, graduation rates and rankings. And yes. those are so important. But that's not really why we're here. We're really here to change people's lives through education, 
and through solving great challenges facing our society through the research that takes place. Here, those are the two things. And boy, that's powerful when you think about that, changing mm -hmm. people's lives through education and uh, research and enhancing the culture and the world that we, that we live in. Um, so it, and, and the, the, the TEDx talks, you know, are so pointed and memorable and usually are on some topic of that, something important that, that touches your heart and so you remember it. Uh, I'm, as an engineer, my natural <laughs> skill is about conveying information. Mm. But information is not going to touch their hearts. touches their heads, uh, but it doesn't <laughs> change their hearts. And so mm. I, I, it's the capturing not just emotions, but, but why we do things that is so, so important. And to add on to that, um, we are entirely student-run, which makes us unique amongst other TEDx conferences nationwide. I didn't know that. Wow. We are yes. entirely student-led, which is really cool. Yeah. And one of, we're one of the largest in the Southeast. Yeah, we are the largest in the Southeast, yeah. which wow. is really cool. And other universities, it's not just students. That's, mm -mm. that's special. No. They have faculty and other... Tisk, yeah. tisk. <laughs> so, <laughs> Get on our level. So, that being said, why do you think it's important to have students leading these conversations? Oh, yeah. It, whether it's TEDx or this morning, I gave a welcome address to a, a conference in the College of Law. This is the 25th year, and it's been organized for 25 years by students, law wow. students, mm -hmm. but 25 years. And, and to have that sort of legacy of, of students doing something that's important, not the administration, not even the faculty, mm -hmm. that so much adds to, to who we are as mm -hmm. an institution. Um, it takes a huge amount of time for you mm -hmm. all to, to do those things, whether it's the podcast or <laughs> speaking or whatever, um, getting speakers, budget for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but... I think you will learn a lot. And then I think what's wonderful, it's a gift back to the university. Mm -hmm. What you're doing, even with the podcast, is a gift to the university. I hope so. <laughs> I <Yes>. hope so. <laughs> Speaking of legacy. Um, so Perfect it's a, segue. It's a perfect segue because our theme this year is, in fact, legacy. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And so uh, the whole concept being, what are we doing now that we will eventually be able to leave behind? And what are we doing for the future um, that will eventually propel us to where we want to go? Um, not just as ourselves, but, you know, as a group. So that being said, what do you believe will be your legacy? And what do you believe um, will be UF's legacy as a whole? Mm. So I, I would... Uh, you know, it, it is interesting because the the presidents of a university are they're sort of archived. You know, mm. we have a list of who they all are, <laughs> yes. and there's a little paragraph or two uh, about them. Um, uh, uh, I'm grateful that we don't have statues of all the presidents. Some places <laughs> do. FSU does that. Oh, really? Uh, but uh, we have one. We have one on campus. Our, our second president. But there is, in some sense, sort of uh, institutional memory of of that person. And part of it is, you know, what was the university then at that time? And part of it is sort of their, what they're known for. Um, and um, certainly I, I hope that history will think of this time and the history of the institution as being one in which the university really did seize opportunities to raise what I call a stature, its, its, its reputation worldwide mm -hmm. and nationally. And, and I think that indeed will be part of it. Um, and secondly, I, I hope that when they think about my time here, it'll be one of this combination of, of having joy and, and being here and, and doing what I do and, and everyone else that's here having fun at it, 
mm-hmm. but also uh, really committed to to uh, we, we talk about the gator good, but but doing good in a way that supports each other and then reaches beyond the community. So so again, caring about each other, loving for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how that get, will get captured in the future, but it can sort of you know when you create a culture, that culture can really endure. Um, and so I'm I'm working to sort of in my own small way, create a, a culture here of, of caring. Uh, and I hope that that endures. That sounds great to me. <laughs> That's a perfect, perfect answer. All right. Uh, so, endless thank you to thank President you Fox both. for Thanks. being with us today. Um, it was an absolute honor to have you. So thank you for making the time. I know you're very busy. <laughs> and Apexia has some details about our conference coming up. Yes, very exciting stuff. We have our annual TEDxUF conference titled Legacy, as we brought up, on April 6th. Um, So it should be coming up very, very soon. Uh, Please get your tickets. It is our 10th anniversary, um, which is very exciting. It's kind of the reason we brought up Legacy to begin with is because we are at our 10th year and we want to know how have we built who we are today and how can we improve and become better for not only ourselves but for UF as a whole. So we're very excited. Uh, It's going to be a great time. Please come out um, and it's between I believe 12 and 5. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be a great time. Uh, That being said, we want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. We want to thank President Fox for being here with us. We've just had such a great time. Mm -hmm. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and discuss these issues because it's nice to know that our president wants to have these conversations and um, and it's been a great time. So thank you. Thanks, Apexia. Thanks. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, So that being said, follow TEDxUF on all social media and don't forget to listen to Beyond the Talk every single Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thank you and have a fab day.